Hello and welcome to another video of Mana Podcast. I'm Pastor Jeff Glenn and it's my pleasure to take you through the Word each week. Today we're going to be landing in chapter 20 of the book of Genesis where we see that Abraham has moved on from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. So if you remember last week, we, we covered the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah where Abraham is taking a look at what's going on and, and he stands in this place um, where he had stood before the Lord previously. So he was, he was seeking the Lord's presence one last time. And, and now we see that he's, he's moving on from there more to the south to this place um, of Kadesh and then Shur and then finally to this place in Gerar where, where he stays for a bit. And this is part of a feature of Abraham's life that, that from his youth was a nomadic existence where they moved on from place to place. You know, even though he was used to it, there just was no real roots uh, to put down. And even though he was in the land that God promised him, he continued to move around. Now, now maybe that's because he was taking a big survey, or maybe it was just still within Abraham to be kind of restless and, and unsatisfied with where he was at. Whatever the... Whatever the cause, we see that as chapter 20 opens up, Abraham is moved on from, from Sodom and Gomorrah to closer to the coast of the Mediterranean, actually, uh, to this um, uh, Gerar city. But what's interesting about this Gerar is that it's, uh, it's the domain of this king Abimelech. And so even though, like we know, the Lord provided all of this land for, for Abraham, we see Abraham moving into this area that's controlled by another king, and it's a it's a typical king of that era and time, a heathen king that most likely worshipped other pagan gods, and and uh, for sure, as we know, um, had other ungodly practices as well. But nonetheless, we see Abraham moving into this area, and he repeats the same tactic that got him into trouble with his wife all the way back in chapter 12. And so it's not quite all, it's only eight chapters ago. And so um, I didn't do the study on how many years that was, but we see him repeating this tactic that got him into trouble, uh, namely calling Sarah his sister rather than his wife. And we see that um, in, um, in verse 12, he gives the reason for that which is, um, as he explains after he's caught, he explains, but indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. She became my wife. And so while it's technically true, according to what Abraham is telling us here, that, that Sarah is the daughter of his father, because remember in that, in that culture, um, large large um, numbers of, of wives, harems, and, and so on were taken. And some of that was because of alliances. And so you took so-and-so's daughter and you, you had all these different wives. And so um, it's, it's not necessarily sanctioned because it's in the Bible. It's describing what happened. And this is what happened. Um, in that day, Abraham took um, for him a wife that happened to be his, his dad's daughter. Um, so technically true. But even a half-truth, when it's said to be deceitful, is, is a whole lie. And so that's what Abraham was, was using here, was this, was this deceit, right? So, so we know that, 
Um, it, it's obvious that not everything, not every detail that's true has to be said in order for there to be truth spoken, right? But what you say needs to be true. And when you leave out um, anything, right? So you can't leave anything out for the purpose of being deceitful, right? You, you can't want to just make the truth seem a little better, give it a little shine, um, you know, make it a little more palatable, you know, so we'll just leave this part out, you know, kind of like that little sugar to help the medicine go down. Well, if it's withheld for the purpose of deceit, even if whatever else you're telling is the truth, then, then it makes that whole thing a lie because it's, it's for the purpose of deceiving. And that's what um, Abraham has done here. Um, he was afraid, as, as we'll find out here as we turn the page, that um, he continues with his explanation. It says here, When God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her, This is your kindness that you should do for me. In every place, wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. And so as, as they were beginning this journey uh, that God had called them on, Abraham already had fear in his heart for what might happen to them on the way, that maybe they would kill him to take her as, as uh, one of their harem or, or concubines or wives. And so not wanting to be killed, he asked Sarah, just say that you're my sister. So... Um, I'm not sure that makes it a whole lot better. That just says, "Well, here, take take my take my wife and don't kill me." You mean you're still taking her wife? So, um, definitely a different culture, um, but still something that um, I wouldn't recommend today. And we see that it gets Abram in the similar amount of trouble as it did in chapter 12. Um, you know, you would have thought that Abraham learned his lesson with Pharaoh in Egypt. You know, I mean, I always learn my lessons the first time, and I'm sure you do too, right? So we find ourselves here reading about Abraham and the second time. So this is the second time he's been caught. This is the second time he's been recorded. But we know that as much as Abraham moved around, this was probably a common tactic as he had told Sarah from the beginning, hey, let's use this tactic that, uh, to save my skin. You'll be, this, you'll be my sister. Um, while that was technically half true, it was a full lie because he was trying to be deceitful. So... Um, even with all this drama going on, we find God to be faithful, um, faithful to Abraham and Sarah and even Abimelech, and we'll see that in a minute here. But, you know, as he's being faithful to Abraham and Sarah, providing the promise of a great nation through the child that would be born uh, to Sarah, with all these descendants that are, that are too numerous to count, um, God is even working in and through this situation um, to bring about this promise. I mean, it, it's hard to pass on your bloodline if Abimelech kills you, right? So God provided that Abimelech would not kill Abraham for this lie. But he's not, not only is God providing for this promise, but he's actually taking care of Abraham and Sarah in the moment for their immediate needs. Um, we'll see here later, you know, their immediate need is to live, obviously, and, and to have provision as a wandering people. And we will see later that the provision that they get from Abimelech. Um, through God's prompting. We also see God's mercy towards this heathen king, Abimelech. Um, you know, God visits Abimelech and pronounces um, an, an interesting judgment on Abimelech for taking Sarah, which gives Abimelech some time to um, present his case, to which um, 
God provides his mercy. Now, God knows. God knew that Abraham lied to Abimelech, and that was the reason that Abimelech took Sarah. But, but it's interesting that, that the truth is more important than the circumstances, right? So the truth was that, that Abraham and Sarah were married and that it was sinful for Abimelech to take her. Now, whether or not he knew that or not, the circumstances are, are, don't outweigh the truth, right? But God showed Abimelech his mercy um, based on the fact that he was lied to. And God's character and nature is of mercy and is of restoration. And so Abimelech visits the Lord. And, you know, I just find that amazing that imagine this heathen king being visited by the Lord, and yet he remains a heathen. But we see that in, in uh, verses 3 through 6. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. So that's quite a dream, right? Waking up in a cold sweat to the Lord telling you that you indeed are a dead man. Um, but fortunately, as, as we continue in verse 4, Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have, I have done this. And so he's basically saying, I, I didn't have any malintent by taking her. I was only going, I was taking their word for it. I mean, they both said that they're their only brother and sister. And so in verse 6, And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld from you sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. So I love this part and this verse here. This is God saying that I withheld from you sinning against me. I love that part about God, that, that, he, that he provides this mercy for this heathen king, because this heathen king could have immediately taken Sarah um, into his bed, and um, that would have been the end of the promise, right? Or at least a really messy way to kind of deal with that of of providing for the offspring that, that we would have our Messiah come from. So the Lord is saying, I withheld you from sinning against me. And Abimelech is still a heathen. <laughs> but um, I love that about our Lord. He does prevent us from sinning. He provides that way of escape. Remember that, that, that um, no, no temptation has overtaken man, or has overtaken you, but is common to man, right? But that will provide a way of escape. And I know I butchered that, but you can look that up. Um, our God provides a way of escape. And he certainly did for Abimelech here. And so um, he grants Abimelech mercy based on Abimelech's intent. His intent was not to steal a man's wife. Um, he only did what was kind of right for that culture, which is doesn't make it right. But he was acting with integrity. His, his intent was not to, to bring about harm. Then we see the second time that Abraham is chastised by a heathen, which again, um, I, I can only know that I absolutely every time learn my lesson the first time, So, and I know you do too. Um, so we see this in verse 9 and 10. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? Have, you, have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. So here he is chewing him out. He's like, man, what did I do to you to deserve this? Like, you've, you've not only brought this on me, but you've brought this on my whole kingdom, this great sin. So we have this um, heathen who's telling Abraham the righteous, 
about his lifestyle choices and that they're sin. So um, I love that. It's a, it's a it's a humbling reminder again that, that the world they they're tracking on on how we should act. Right? They 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 understand hypocrisy when they see it in us. And so um, then he goes on to say, um, "What did you have in view?" That you have done this thing. He's like, what were you thinking? What, what was your thought process behind bringing this on to us by lying to us? N- knowing your God and who he is and his standard of, of perfection and holiness. And you're violating that by, by lying to us and potentially causing me to sin by lying with your wife. And so um, Abimelech is, is righteously angry and um, laying it down to... Um, to Abraham here to hear. And so we hope that Abraham hears the message after this. But then we see this Lord, or the God, the God, we see our God working a blessing for both Abraham and Abimelech. We see that um, Abimelech sends Abraham away with silver and with sheep and oxen and even servants. And then the Lord works a blessing for Abimelech in allowing his, his wives and his female servants the ability to have children um, since their wombs had been closed up. And so I find this super encouraging because while we may stumble all over ourselves wandering through this life trying to figure it out and trying to, to remain um, righteous, God is a God who keeps his promises and he is continually righteous. He never fails us and he restores and blesses us. And so he is worthy to follow indeed. And so until next week, stay in the word and stay encouraged.